throwing rollers on every hole. So why, why is everyone throwing a roller? So I think there should be a couple courses, you know, one or two that are bomber courses and where they can do that and have some fun and throw rollers. But I think there should be less of those courses. Should have won another one, almost won USDGC, but like he didn't do enough, in my opinion. Eagle and Ricky both won multiple times on the Pro Tour. Pauly got a couple of wins and won a major. He almost won the Pro Tour Championship. I have also recently changed my putter and amazing results. And I think just because of the feel, and I feel like that's something that I would maybe recommend to you guys this off season. Stop buying Lunas. Stop putting with putters that have a three or higher on the end. There is literally no reason to do that. Unless you are a very good disc golfer, stop it. Stop buying Lunas. Welcome in everyone to the Chain Clankers Disc Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Ferris here, joined as always by Horatio Gonzalez. We've got a fantastic episode for you guys today. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some off-season goals. We're going to talk about the Pro Tour voting, and we're going to be answering your questions related to disc golf and maybe a couple that's not related to disc golf, but it's going to be a fun time, a fun ride. Let's get this thing going. Horatio, how are we doing today, man? I'm good. Just having my morning coffee, sitting here with the dogs, hanging out, looking at the weather, see if I'm going to go out and play today. It's going to be a little bit windy. I know I'm not crazy about playing in the wind, but I haven't played in over a week, so I might try to get out there. What about you? Yeah, uh, if you're willing to get out there, I will probably find my way out there as well. Um, I went to Lawrence, Kansas yesterday and tried out one of their new courses. I think it's called like Edgewood. Uh, it was not there. Literally the whole time I lived in Lawrence, there was like one singular course that kind of made me mad the whole time because I was really bad back then. And we went and played this new Niner. Really fun, actually. It was fun until all the men were just constantly on top of us making uh, – my fiance feel uncomfortable, which was not the funnest thing in the world, but uh, nonetheless, it was a cool course. It had a nice mixture of wooded where it's like actual trees that you're going through, not just like little twigs and branches and open. I think there was maybe one hole that was like completely open. And then like the other open holes had like little small trees that probably came up to about like head-ish height that made what should have been an easy shot kind of difficult and frustrating but uh it was a really cool course definitely if you're in the lawrence area i do recommend you going out and playing it it was very very busy um i know the space was limited so that kind of makes it hard but there were the occasional like you're walking into someone's shot Mm because it was going back and forth which is a little uh worrisome but it was a good time fun course for sure is that you said it was pretty new. Wasn't there another one that um, Eric McCabe is doing? Avery Jenkins is doing something. Um, they're putting like a disc golf park. I want to say over by the lake, though. This was on the east side of town. Um, um, I don't know if it's in or not. I know there is a course at Clinton Lake, but I had never played it before. I don't know if that's the one they're redesigning or if they are coming out with a new one. We could probably look at Avery's Instagram or somewhere online and figure that out. Um, but this one is definitely new. It could, it cannot be more than two years old. If that, it, it was a good time. It was a good time. I would definitely, if I still lived in Lawrence, I would play that course I know, more often. I know we need to plan out a trip 
to go and play Eagles Crossing sometime yeah. next year. Because for true. us here in the Midwest, it's only about a five and a half hour drive. It's That's pretty bad. It's Missouri, but it's pretty much uh, Illinois. Yeah. We were just talking about because we went on a trip this weekend. Uh, this last week, we went, took a little, we just want to go on vacation. And for us, like if you want to go somewhere fun and exciting, um, the closest, like coolest place to go is Denver, Colorado. But for us, that's about an eight hour drive of nothing. There's absolutely nothing literally from our town until you get into Denver and you see like mountains. There's like absolutely nothing out there. It's one of the worst drives ever. Because even uh, the first like three hours into Colorado is still just flat land. Yeah. Literally until you get into Denver, like yeah. you don't see mountains. Colorado Springs, Denverish area. That's when you start to see mountains. Driving back is even worse because you're just tired. You're like coming back and just, yeah, that Western part of Kansas, nothing, wind farms, especially in the dark. It's awful. Um, but yeah, that's about eight hours. And then, I mean, Dallas, I know people go to Dallas, but that's about five and a half hours. But I mean, that's just a big city. Like a lot of these like cities nearby, like they're just big cities. So you do shopping or like go out to eat and that kind of stuff. But we like outdoors, mountains, you know, hiking, all that stuff. So the other like closest place is Arkansas, Missouri. Um, you can go to Eureka Springs, Hot Springs, um, the Ozarks and stuff like that. And that's only about four and a half to five hours. Um, and some of you that are from the coast and stuff, you know, I know it's like a, a stereotype or like, oh, Midwesterners are like, oh, it's only seven hours. Yeah, we'll drive. Whereas people are like, what? Like, that's a flight. That's a whole, you know, just take a plane and get there. But for us, like a five hour drive is not much because the closest thing, you know, that's cool is Denver. It's eight hours. So five hours isn't too bad. Yeah, I hate driving. We were in the car yeah. for like two and a half hours to Lawrence yesterday and I hated every second of it. I would much rather fly, but it's too dang expensive to fly. So no thank you uh, on that one. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it was a good time. I think, uh, you know, kind of transitioning a little bit more into disc golf here. It, I think the off season, um, especially with it getting darker earlier, I think there will be less opportunity to just play whenever. So when playing, I think the number one thing is to play with a purpose if you just want to go have fun every now and then that's literally a okay. And you should go do that. So you don't get burnt out. But when you are playing slash practicing, you should do it with a purpose. Like I know something that I'm going to have to transition into a lot is just going to the field. That's literally a three minute walk for me and just throwing when I get home from work, instead of trying to go play, because I'm not going to have that time unless it's on the weekend. So I really think that is something that is important to remember is that when you are playing, when you are practicing in the winter, you have to do it with a purpose. You have to be working on something in order to be getting better, or you're not going to be getting better. And I also think this is a great opportunity opportunity to get some rest you know disc golf strong uh shout out to them for coming on the podcast a long time ago when we first got started we need to have them on again but they said that the number one in injury in disc golf is you know overdoing it 
playing disc golf too much. And so now's a great opportunity. If you know, you're feeling a little stiff, if you're not feeling the hottest, take a week or two off and let's, let's get right. Let's get that body back to being a hundred percent and being ready to attack your practice sessions, being ready to attack your uh, upcoming 2022 season. I think that's very important. This is the time to do it. If you're just, you know, going hard, 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 hard year around, you're going to deteriorate your body and it's going to be harder for you to find success at a certain point. I think that this, this rest period is definitely very important, not only for your body, but also for your mental game to be able to step away a little bit, get better. And uh, yeah, I, I think this is a very crucial, if not the most crucial time period for getting better the off season. Yeah, I know. I mean, like athletes like Paul McBeth, he was talking about, you know, it was a great season, but I can't wait. A lot of people I know, I think some people like the preparation, you know, I think tournaments are fun and they like that competing factor. But I think, you know, those athletes like Paul McBeth, they love the off season, the grind, the, you know, working on the skills, honing it. I feel like there's something to, you know, that craftsmanship. And yeah, I love, I love practicing. I know I did not do, I don't think I did any tournaments this year, right? No, I did leagues a lot, um, but I love practicing. Like we would just go and practice like the five loop or go and do like the course and just throw like four or five shots and just like honing in, honing in the different shots, shaping the lines. Like that was so much more fun to me than the tournaments. Sometimes I like the tournaments um, just for, you know, that competition to kind of see where I'm at. But a lot of people are the opposite. They love tournaments. They love competing and like scores um, and they don't like practicing as much. Um, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I just enjoy, I guess, working on, on my technique and stuff more. Yeah, no, I absolutely get that. I definitely think that uh, 2022, one of my goals is I am going to try to play more tournaments, especially the local tournaments with no driving required. Um, I think I'm going to try to get into them. I know there's like a little, uh, it's not like a league, but like maybe like a, like mini tour series i can't remember what it's called like the air capital disc golf like tour something like that that's around here you you know what i'm talking about i think Mm -hmm. i think i might try to uh play in play in those events just because it's here and it i i do want to play more tournaments i want to compete i think i'm almost to the point of i might force myself into getting a pdga membership and just making it worth my money and uh just not buying as many discs because it's like 50 bucks to sign up. So if I just don't buy two discs, three discs a year, then I've paid for it as long as well as if I'm, you know, if I want to play in the tournaments, then I'm not, you know, it's, it's more of a trade off on buying discs or competing more. I think I'm to the point where I have enough discs. I need to force myself to stop. So I think I'm going to try to compete more. So doing that, the practice is going to be very important because I do want to show out in 2022. It'll be like the second, full season going into and just definitely looking back at some other things I've done. I'm like, yes, I have improved so much. And then I'm like, dang, why am I not able to do that right now? What is going wrong? So definitely this off season is going to be very critical and I definitely am going to be practicing with a purpose. I hope you guys are practicing with a purpose as well. But before we move on to our next segment, we're going to talk about our sponsor for today, disc.usa.com. 
This is such an incredible brand and an incredible tool to help you get better. If you want to improve your game, if you want to finish higher in tournaments, Disc.USA is going to help you do that. Disc.USA is a first-of-its-kind training aid for your disc golf putting routine. The Disc.USA is brightly colored focal point that clips onto a single chain link to help you consistently and efficiently aim small and create lasting muscle memory that translates to fewer missed putts. I think Horatio and I can both agree that the putts have been going in more and more due to us using the disc dot. With many highly visible colors to choose from, the disc dot reduces eye strain while providing improved focus and instant feedback, allowing your practice routine to be more effective, fun, and rewarding. Disc dot will raise your confidence on the green and help you make those big putts. This dot is made in the USA, family owned and operated, and in their first year of business have sold over 25,000 units worldwide. They sponsor both amateur and professional tour playing tour players like Kristen Tatar, Garrett Gerthy, and Gavin Rathbun, Jessica Weiss, and so many more. You can find the disc dot and other very useful putting tools on their web- website, www.disc.usa.com. And if you use the code chainclankers at checkout, you can save yourself 10% and strokes off the putting green. If you haven't already listened to our episode with uh, disc.usa, definitely make sure you go do that. It's, I think, two episodes ago now. Such a fun episode. We talked to Rick, the owner of of disc dot and he, he explains why disc dot will help your putting game in so much more detail and he also answers the very important question of well yeah i can use it in my practice but i can't use it on the course how does it actually help me go check out that episode i'll put a link in the description below and i will put a link to their website below make sure you use the promo code chain clankers save 10 percent. it's such an incredible brand and like we say the number one way to support our podcast is to support our sponsors. That return on investment for those sponsoring us is very critical to continue to get sponsors just like it is for the Pro Tour. So definitely, please, if you have the availability, definitely go check them out. Try it out for yourself. I think that the money you could spend on this tool is better spent than going out and buying a new putter. But that is enough of that talk ratio. Let's get into the Pro Tour voting. Can you maybe explain to everyone kind of what this is and what we're going to be doing? Yeah, so this is the Disc Golf Pro Tour end of season, uh, 2021 season fan vote. And so they have the 2021 King Climbable Player of the Year Award, uh, pretty much who you think was the Player of the Year, the 2021 Elaine King Player of the Year, and then they have 2021 Most Improved MPO, Most Improved FPO. They have, they're adding a third card to the All-Star Weekend uh, for next year. And so the top eight MPO players in 2021 DGT points automatically qualify for the All-Star Weekend. So they're adding another card. It's always weird to me that they only had that few players. I guess it makes it go quicker, um, but I feel like they would have had a lot more people for like that big of like that weekend event, you know. Um, But yeah, they're adding four more players. And so you can vote for players that you would like to be added to that. And this one is really cool because there's a lot of really good players um, that aren't competing in the All-Star Weekend that would make it a lot more interesting. But yeah, we'll go through that and we'll do it. We'll do it together. Neither of us have done it yet. And so this will be our first time voting. And so we're just going to do it as a team and kind of have to argue or we might not agree on some, but maybe we'll switch off. Yeah. Uh, we'll start off with the 2021 Ken Climo Player of the Year Award. This was so much easier before 
the Pro Tour Championship and the USDGC, in my opinion. Yeah. Because before, I think it was very clearly Eagle. Eagle had the better regular really? season, but then you include those two events where he didn't play in the Pro Tour Championship and arguably disappointed. I mean, I think for the year Eagle had, if you don't win the USDGC, you had a disappointing year. So that makes it a lot harder for me. So what are you leaning towards? Ricky Wasaki, I think, had like the overall best year. I would want to go with Kyle Klein um, because I think this was his, I know, I think last year or a year ago was his like uh, first like big, his year being like MPO or like on tour. He hasn't been on tour very long, but I think this year he just proved to everybody that like he's here, he's got what it takes to compete with the veterans. And I mean, he won that big event, win the playoff and won. And then was it the following weekend at the next tournament? He almost won again. He probably would have won if the rain delay didn't end the tournament. Yeah. And then he still had other ones where he was like still in the top, you know, one of the top contenders to win the match. And he's just so smooth. He's like some of his scores, some of his birdies he had. So, you know, I would say that, you know, player of the year, I would go with him. I cannot even remotely agree because really? yeah, I mean, Kyle, yeah, Kyle had a great year, but you're telling me Kyle had a better year than Eagle, Ricky, Paul, like he won one tournament should have won another one almost won USDGC, but like he didn't do enough. In my opinion, Eagle and Ricky both won multiple times on the pro tour. Paulie got a couple of wins and won a major. He almost won the pro tour championship. Like, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Paul should be the winner here because I don't think he had the resume, but I think the only two people it can come down to is Ricky Wysocki and Eagle McMahon because of if you have to take the whole year into consideration. And when you look at all of those things, I think based off the final two finishes at the USDGC and the Pro Tour Championship, I think it has to go towards Ricky Wysocki. He just simply won more events, was more consistent, had more top fives, just performed better out there on the course. I think this year has to go to Ricky. Um, that's that's my thought because I, I value the wins and the consistent performances. I agree. You know, Ricky had probably the best year. I mean, on the 2021 National Tour standings, He's number one with 381 points. You know, I know we both kind of say Ricky, so I guess I think we should go with Ricky. Let's get to the gals. What do you think? Lane King, player of the year. See, again, if you went just off of points, like if that's how you're going to, if you want to do these, then. If you go off of points, it'll be Paige. Points, it's Haley King. Oh, really? For national tour. tour? Because I don't consider the national tour important at all. I'm talking about DGBT points. It's still big tournaments. Nah, those tournaments are whack. All right. Uh, DGPT standings, it's Paige Pierce, second Katrina Allen. See, and if you go off of points, again, I would say I would go with Katrina Allen because on this one, she's in second with 711 points. And National Tour standings, she's in second with 378, which on this one, Haley King is first. And then Paige Pierce is in 16th place for National Tour, which I don't think she played all of those. Uh-uh. But still, so, but in both of those, Katrina Allen is in second. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, so she I mean, have a pretty dang good year. She got a win at Belton. She got a win at Jonesboro. She got she a win at MVP. She won Worlds, and she's got what one, two, three second place finishes. Also, where like Paige didn't play in any of the Silver Series events. Yeah, she won Las Vegas, OTB, Portland, and then Ledgestone and Idlewild. Did she win? She didn't win the – did she win a major this year? Between Allen? No, Paige. Because she didn't uh, win the Throw Pink Women's Championship. Because that was she, when – she was supposed to win that, but then, like, shot plus 18 on, like, round three. And then – So she won Vegas. She won OTB Open. She won Portland Open. She won Ledgestone Insurance Open. Idlewild. She won a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. Could like be actually tripping, um, but I think Katrina Allen. Yeah, yeah, Missy. Yeah, okay. So Missy won the Throw Pink Women Championship. That's right, because Paige finished tenth because she had that plus whatever round. She didn't make the finals or didn't win the Pro Tour Championship, and I can't remember if she won the first major of the year. I think she might have the like us championship i think she might have but um nonetheless it doesn't matter i katrina won worlds uh she had a better season in my opinion as well so i agree with you there the only other player i want to bring up here and everyone should probably have seen this coming is kristen tatar because of her performance in the united states when she was in the united states going against the best of the best she was pretty dominant. Like looking at here, she, her first tournament at Belton, she wins. Then she's third, first, first, and that's it. So out of the four tournaments that I'm seeing here, uh, she won three of them. Like that is such a high percentage of W's. When she was here, she was dominant and winning and was consistently beating Paige, beating Cat. So that's the only other argument I have is that, yes, we don't have a full season, so I can understand and probably come to an agreement that it cannot be her. But I think that if if we look at a scale of including her, it was pretty good. I mean, if we're going based off of points like we do at Ricky, yeah. you can't, you can't yeah. go off hypothetical. She would have one I think, more. I think the only difference there was that Kyle played in all of those tournaments and didn't win them where she won 75% of the tournaments that she played in, in the U S like I'm pulling up Kyle's stats right now. Um, Looking at his year, he finished 43rd at Las Vegas, 17th at Waco, 19th at Belton, 14th at vintage 25th at Jonesboro one. Let's see here. One mid America. Well, I mean, just going off OTB 13th at, Portland second at let's see here D glow 15th at preserve six at Ledgestone first at Isle 40th at the MVP open and 27th at GMC. And he finished, let's see here. He went out in the semifinals in the pro tour championship. Like that's not a good year. Yes. He improved a ton and he was putting together some good, like, you know, scores, but you can't finish outside of the top 10 that often. You know what I'm saying? Where Kristen won 75% of the tournaments she played in here in the States. But that's all she played. Yeah. 
yeah, she I could have gone. Argument. She could have gone the rest of the season and you know not placed in the tenth for some reason or whatever. Yeah, got burned think, out. I th- I think the right move here is to uh, is to go with Cat at the end. I think she had the overall best season. Twenty twenty one most improved MPO player. This one, I definitely, you know, the one that comes to mind right away is Drew Gibson. Yeah, Drew Gibson was the most improved player. I don't think there is an argument there. If, if you just look at what he did uh, last season, the amount that he improved is incredible. He changes his putter and all of a sudden goes from somebody who's like 40th 50th in putting to a top 20 guy like that is incredible um he improved so much he like i just i i I don't know what else to say because this is exactly who i agree with you on if you look at his i'm pulling up his stats here um finishing sixth at las vegas you know 29th at waco takes a couple of events off 10th 14th 5th 15th some events off 29th, 50th, not too good fourth and third. And then we have a 36th, 71st at GMC, not good. Uh, and then a second at the pro tour championship, but you also have the incredible finish at the USDGC. Did you know that he had the most OB strokes in uh, the USDGC? If you take even literally like five of those away, he wins the USDGC. He probably should have won the Pro Tour Championship. So on an overall improved stats-wise, performance-wise, it has to be Drew Gibson. I completely agree. On that note there, you know, I wanted to quickly tell you guys, I have also recently changed my putter and, like, amazing results. And I think just because of the feel, and I feel like that's something that I would maybe recommend to you guys this offseason. You know, maybe you've had a putter for a while, and you're still your putting is okay but you're still missing a lot of putts that you should be making or you're not fully confident or like you should be you're not improving in circle one and you're missing putts that are that should be give me's i would suggest maybe this off season get rid of that don't get rid of the putter you know get another putter maybe find a buddy who puts with something else and something else that you want to try that way you don't have to go out and buy them and maybe swap putters with them for a few weeks or something like that or for a round or go out and buy a different putter, go to the store. And now that you have more experience, you know how stuff should feel, how stuff, you have a little bit more knowledge, go and try something else. Give another putter a shot this off season, maybe. And maybe, you know, you'll have the same effect and your putting will improve because putting is where you're going to improve your scores the most. So, you know, people buy discs all the time, but 99.9% of the time, people are buying mid fairway drivers and drivers people don't ever buy new or different putters people are like this is just what they putt with and most putters are very similar i would say you know some of them even they're more similar than you know uh distance drivers um and the fact that they kind of do the same thing especially at the speeds that we throw them at there's not much speed behind them so the discs aren't going to do very much it's going to be all about comfort and feeling your hand so Go out and try something else, maybe a different plastic, maybe something that's more hard, maybe something that's soft. I know so many people that uh, just started putting with Luna's because that's just what Paul Macbeth threw. And that was, you know, his his signature putter. And so they were the hot thing. And so, so many people putt with Luna's and they're super nice disc, but maybe that's not the putter for you. Maybe there's something else out there that 
will improve your game and it's much better and it's not a Luna. And, but if that's what it takes, you know, to improve your game, then I would say, give that a shot, but keep those, keep the ones you put with, cause maybe, you know, you switch to something else and it doesn't work. It doesn't do what you, you thought it would. Um, and so you still have your old putters, but yeah. Okay. On to the next one. Most improved FPO player. I think this is also very easy. I think it's cat because if you look at as well, her putting and her performance from last year to this year, I mean, it's, it's night and day. She was so much better this year than she was last year. I'm not sure who else you could say here. See on this one, I was going to say, I would say Kat's always been good. Yeah. She improved this year and she was able to take worlds, but she's always been number two. Um, Paige, I, I feel kind of let off the gas or whatever happened towards the end of the season and Kat, you know, just continued to dominate, but it's always been between Paige and Kat. Kat's always been at the top. It's she's in top two. Um, I would say she figured out her putting or had a better season, but I wouldn't say that she improved the most. The one that I was going to say is Kona star Panis. Um, I feel like she was in a lot more top, 10 top five finishes like she did a lot more season like we're talking about most improved like do you honestly believe that cat improved that cat's always been super good she's always between finishing second and finishing in first um codistar panis i feel like last year we never really heard we saw a couple of stuff but she didn't do that great but this year i mean she finished in seventh in dgpt standings and national tour standings she finished in third right behind cat national tour settings. Um, whereas last year, like she didn't really do much, but this year she was competing. She was like, I believe she won something this year. So, okay. I, let me bring up she another won Waco. She won Waco and took second at MVP open. Okay. Let me bring up another name. Let me bring up Missy Gannon. Okay. Didn't have the best start, but looking at her finishes, Outside of, let's see here, Portland and D-Glow, she didn't finish outside the top 10. When you compare yeah, that but, to... But Missy was also also that good last year. Like, I mean, We're talking about most improved. Okay, so let's if we're talking about most improved, you're telling me somebody who finished, and let me just read this off for you, finishing 13th, 26th, 7th, 16th, 14th, second 13th is in most improved compared to somebody who won the pro tour championship won the throw pinks women's championship and won other events like kona won one event missy gannon won other multiple events and like went from somebody who's finishing fifth to 10th to somebody who's pretty close to the top five every week and picking up multiple wins. I understand your Kona argument, but I think that the same thing applies to Missy. Missy Gannon also had a better season than Kona. Yeah, I guess I'm just looking at it as like improved like from last year. Cause I mean, look at her. So this is from her 2020. The best she did in 2020 was a fifth place finish. The rest, you know, 10, 5th, 7th, 6th, 11th, 9th, 22nd, 27th, tied for 6th, 16th. So she did not come in in the top five at all in 2020. This year, she won a tournament. She took second in a tournament. And see what you're saying is Kat, that's where like, I, I totally don't agree because Kat's always been good. I okay, feel like this year she just honed it. Kat. I'll change my vote from Kat to Missy because of the top tier performance change in Missy's game. 
Yes, Missy has been a top 10 player a lot, including last year, looking at the 2020 stats. But I think that she, I think the breakthrough was better because she won more important events than Kona going from someone who finishes outside the top 10 regularly to someone who finished inside the top 10 regularly. 2020, she had 11th and 8th, 2nd, 3rd, 2nd, 8th, 5th, 12th, 6th, 7th, 7th. So like, 2020, she did still really good. Um, let me look at her 2021. So 2021, ninth, ninth, third, fourth, seventh, fourth, fourth, 19th, first. She won Des Moines. Second, second, she won Stafford. And then she finished up and won Tour Championship. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. I know I've just, I've been a Kona Star Panis fan. And it was really cool seeing her improve a lot this year. And, you know, getting a W. Uh, but, you know, yeah, Missy Gannon definitely was able to take some dubs this year, was definitely a show that she's not completely – I feel like it's always been kind of – she's kind of been in the shadow of Paige Pierce, you know, them both being Discraft. Um, she was able to prove herself and prove to Discraft that, you know, she is also in competition for being the Discraft best. You know, they're competing to be who's the best Discraft MPO um yeah so, okay. I, mean, I completely agree with what you're saying uh she like i said she went from a top 10-ish person to somebody who won majors won the important events and was so good i think you give kona another year when we have this episode next year i think we might be talking about kona significantly more in this category because i think she's now set up for the missy again in 2022 that was 2021 all right all-star weekend third card. I feel like easiest would be here just to uh, each of us pick two. My first pick, I'm going to go with Simon Lazat just because he's a lot of fun to watch. And he is, I mean, I feel like now back from his entry and once he can figure stuff out, I still think he's still one of the top players in the world. Yeah, if I had to give my two, I think that my two is going to be, I'm going to say Drew Gibson because okay. he just played so good at the end that he deserves that. And then if I was going to get sneaky with it, like Chris Dickerson, Simon Lazat, like they're very good, love watching them. But if I'm getting sneaky with it, I'm going to say either Gannon Burr because he was a he was so good down the stretch. I think he had a great year and is only going to continue to get better. But I'm also going to say Ezra Aderhold just because I think he can put on an absolute show and is one of those guys in this field that I truly think can win it if it all clicks for him. Okay, so you said you got to pick one of those two because that's three. I'll go Ezra and Drew. Okay. And then I would say my final one, I read off all of them here, I guess. Chris Dickerson, Nico, Ezra, Joel Freeman, Drew Gibson, Andrew Marwade, Matthew Oram, Garrett Gerthy, Matt Bell, Gavin Rathburn, Jeremy Colling, Paul Uliberry, Chris Clemens, Gannon Bird, Thomas Gilbert, Ben Calloway, Emerson Keith, Andrew Presnell, Bradley Williams, Chandler Fry, Colton Montgomery, Robin Newsom, Nathan Queen, Zachariah Johnson, Anthony Barella, I love, I hope that Anthony Barella can figure out his game. Like he, I think he has so much, so much potential. Um, but, you know, I feel like he has a hard time putting, a, you know, 18 holes together. But he is so fun to watch. And I hope, I hope he can figure it out. Aaron Gossage, Gossage, Simon Lazat, Casey White, Kelavisca, Eric Oakley, Corey Ellis, Austin Hanna, Mason Ford, Luke Sampson, 
Philo Brathaway, Alex Russell, Nate Sexton, Brody Smith, and Terry Roethlisberger, and AJ Carey. You know, I'm going to have to pick between Nate Sexton and Matthew Oram because I feel like both of those are, like you said, sneaky. Like, they can compete with these top guys. Like, they are very, very good when they're in their element. And I think Nate Sexton just didn't play enough. I think otherwise he would have been in the top eight um, anyway. So I'm going to go with Nate Sexton. So Yeah, Matteo was a straight killer there for a while. And, like, if he plays a full season next year, it, oh, man, this coming year is going to be one of the best for disc golf. Absolutely. All right. So All-Star Weekend, third card, FBO. Who are your two? Uh, my number one, no surprise is going to be Kristen Tatar. Uh, I think she, I don't think she's going to be in this next year just because she's going to be so far out ahead. I, I early prediction think she's going to be number one and then I'm going to go with, oh man, this is tough. I'm going to go with Madison Walker. I think Madison Walker is low key cold. And if you get her on a full pro tour season, I think she's somebody who sneaks into the top eight next year or is knocking on the door. I'm going to go with Heather Young because I'm surprised she's not in the top eight, but I feel like she's really, really good. Um, so I'm going to go with Heather Young because she should be in there. And then I'm going to go with Maria Oliva. Because I think just from some of the stuff like tournaments she did this year, it was pretty impressive. And I feel like she's got a ton of potential and could be. She's, she can throw really far, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, she's uh, really good. Cool. All right. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that as well. Make sure you do go vote. You can just, you know, search the Pro Tour website and it's literally the first thing on there so get your vote in i think voting ends here pretty quick so definitely do that if you have enjoyed the episode so far you're watching on youtube make sure you leave a like rating that's very important to us and youtube to let us know that you're enjoying this content and that you want to see more of it and it can promote it to more people and help more people improve their disc golf games there's no reason to continue to be bad at disc also hit that subscribe button or follow button depending on what platform you're listening to and let's get into the final segment today the ask the clankers segment we're going to be answering your disc golf or non-disc golf questions here we're going to just answer as many as we can get through through the end of the episode so Horatio, why don't you start us off on the t-pad of one with the first question all right i'm going to get this one out of the way um or just kind of in the order that came in What's the most underrated movie you've seen? Who's this by? This is by Goalie David. Most underrated movie I've ever seen. Here we go. This is a hot take. It's going to be episode seven of uh, Star Wars because, yes, it was a carbon copy of episode four, right? But it was a perfect setup movie. It literally did its job. It was the perfect setup movie for episode eight. And then episode eight was quite literally the worst Star Wars episode slash the worst movie of all time. That if, if you like that, we need to have a discussion because that was so bad. Um, so that's my answer. I think episode seven of Star Wars, great setup movie. Everyone just clowns it for being the same thing as episode four, but it was literally setting up the series. I think it was not that bad. It was pretty good. And episode eight just dropped the ball and completely ruined it. All right, and if you guys, any of you guys are like me and you have not watched any of the Star Wars and have no idea what he's talking about, we'll take his word for it. Most underrated movie, episode seven. 
Yeah, you heard it here. All right, and mine, it's going to be, I feel like a lot of people haven't watched it. I know, you know, most people I talk to about it, they've never seen it, but it's like one of my favorite movies. I don't like re-watching movies. I think it's kind of like a waste of time. I have a very hard time re-watching movies. There's very few movies that I can re-watch, um, Elf being one of them. But um, the one that I would say is End of Watch with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's about these two cops in California, but it's just fun and it's really good. Have you seen that one? No, I've not so, seen that yeah. one. I also know that uh, my fiance and I, we're not movie people that much. We definitely watch a lot more shows and series than we do movies. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You guys should check it out though. That's a good one. All right. Next question we got here is from Brandon Maxwell 20. What changes do you think need to be made to the PDJ National Tour and Disc Golf Pro Tour? So taken over by that. Yeah, I mean, I think we start off in a positive direction by the PDG A giving up control of it and giving it to the Disc Golf Pro Tour. I think that's a very important first step. I think the next step is that continued legitimization of the Disc Golf Pro Tour, which involves getting more sponsors, uh, getting better payouts, having better courses. And when I say better courses, I'm talking about making them a little bit more difficult. Uh, I think it's hard for people to watch disc golf when the final scores are negative like 45 to negative 42 or something like that. That's that's difficult to watch almost because everything has to be a must get birdie. I like a little bit more challenge. So I think that's something that could definitely be improved upon. I think something that could also be improved upon is not every single course needs to be on a ball golf course. I don't think that's the direction disc golf needs to head on the pro level for it to be successful. I think that's okay. But I think if you're doing that, there needs to be a good mix of wooded to non-wooded. I don't think you can, I think courses where it's just who can throw the furthest is not exciting. Yeah. And also with that, um, I think it's really cool to see people throw rollers but I feel like there are so many courses or more courses this year that were on ball golf courses that these pros who have, you know, uh, cannons for arms and are really good at throwing rollers, which I mean, it's not their fault. They're good at it, but I feel like that's not disc golf. And I feel like if you have people watching it, you know, if it's on TV and people just tune in to watch it, it's kind of not confusing, but it's also like, why are they just throwing rollers on every hole? Why are, why is everyone throwing a roller? So I think there should be a couple courses, you know, one or two that are bomber courses and where they can do that and have some fun and throw rollers. But I think there should be less of those courses to where people can't throw as many or don't need to be throwing as many rollers because I mean, I don't know. Yeah. If I can add one more thing, I think more artificial OB is something that I think is good as well as like more obstacles, more mandos, more, uh, even if they're playing on the ball golf courses, like let's make the green or the sand traps actually like out of bounds or hazard or something like that. Like, I think that is also the next step because you can have these big wide open courses, but just put a little bit of artificial OB there. Like put, I don't know, like a random 30 foot circle where if you land in that it's a hazard and you throw from there, but you lose a stroke maybe don't land in the hazard. Like some people are going to be mad about that because it's not like real low B on the course, but like that's going to make it more exciting. It's going to make the course more challenging and it's only going to force the players to get better. 
And look at the USDGC and like other tournaments where they really have a lot of that artificial OB where it's becoming, you know, tighter fairways. That's, that's good. I think that's a good thing for the pro level. I'm not saying every single course needs to be like that, especially on the, the non-pro level, but on the pro level, I think that needs to be something that happens more, more hazards, more out of bounds. I, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. See, I, I very wholeheartedly disagree with that. Um, I think that that makes the sport very gimmicky and it makes the courses very um, tacky. It makes it kind of like mini golf. Like, you know, that you go to a mini golf course and they have all these like weird little obstacles, stuff that's like gimmicky and like they have the clowns and they have like the waters and all this stuff. And it's to make it more fun and challenging. I think that that, I mean, we saw it at, what was it, the US DGC where they had like those hole sticking out of the like first tee like that just looks weird and everybody just thought it looked dumb um and you know i think if you a lot of those like artificial ob's and doing like making stuff up on the courses i feel like it's not um i feel like disc golf courses should be like every other sport to where it's natural you make the course around the land and like to where everyone can play because a lot of that stuff it's going to be removed when the tournament is over so if just regular people go play that stuff is kind of gone. So you're not playing the same courses that the pros played. Like it was kind of a course that was made up for the tournament, kind of like an obstacle course. Um, so I feel like less of that actually, and more just making the courses around the nature itself and to where they look, I feel like they look better when they're just clean and not a lot of extra stuff. Okay. Next question we got here from Brendan James 13 is what what are some major goals or projects you guys have for the future? Yeah, literally once we're done recording this, we're actually having a meeting over, you know, major goals and projects that we've got coming up. So that's going to be exciting. I, I definitely think, <clears throat> excuse me, the continued uh, podcast is something that we want to do. I know that very early on, we were very heavy in, always having an interview every single week. And I think there's value to that and that's good. But I also think there is a point where we want to, you know, build that relationship with you guys and be able to talk to you more and give advice um, that we have learned from these pros and along the way and, and not let you make the same mistakes that we made because we are, we have said this the entirety. We are not pros. We are not thousand plus rated guys. So we can actually understand what you are going through. We're going to be one of, if not the only podcast that is actively consistently trying to help your game and help you improve. And we are literally right there in the trenches with you going through the pain that you're going through. And we want to continue to connect with you uh, on those levels. So I think that's something that we're definitely really focused on. Also, you know, just continuing to make more YouTube content, whether it's practice rounds, disc reviews, bag reviews, whatever. And also, if you have suggestions, what do you want to see? I think that's also the number one thing here is if you're listening to this, DM us on Instagram, uh, put up a story, comment on YouTube, whatever it is. Let us know what you want to see so that we can make it. Because if you do that, we can make that content for you and we can make it happen. So I think that's very, very important that you go and you do that. And so, yeah, those kinds of things, continuing to bring good Instagram content. And we've definitely uh, have some more thoughts that we have that I don't think we can share just quite yet. Um, what, what else do you have to add here, Horatio? No, I think that's really good. I mean, obviously, I think our biggest is to continue to grow and improve the podcast. That's our biggest uh, mission, 
our biggest. So just kind of keeping with bringing fresh content, you know, stuff that you guys enjoy. That's why we do it. You know, we don't want to put stuff out that you guys aren't enjoying. So, you know, all the feedback we get, we a hundred percent, you know, we read it and listen to it. Um, you know, make it constructive feedback, stuff that we can improve on. We definitely love it. I know we had, uh, we did an episode with a fan. I think we want to do more of that. I think that was fun. I think, you know, he enjoyed it and you guys enjoyed that. Um, and so, you know, more stuff like that. We don't have uh, something set in stone of like, this is what we're doing on the show. You know, we're open to doing different stuff, you know, changing it up, having variety. I think that's how we're going to grow. Which I think is also very important because we don't ever want to be stuck in our ways. We you have to be able to stay water to ebb and flow through what's going on because then you just get stuck doing the same thing over and over again. And that's not something that we want to really ever do. Um, and, and one final thing, I put a story out there uh, on Instagram, so make sure you're checking those out. But something I want to do is on like maybe like Fridays or something like that, like put up some content over on Instagram or even YouTube maybe also. Uh, I want you guys send us videos of you throwing, putting, upshot, whatever it is. And I want to do like a form check Friday kind of thing where we kind of, you know, give you our thoughts and ideas. You know, we've been doing it with our buddies lately. And uh, I definitely think, you know, it's always good to hear some other voices. You don't have to listen to what we have to say, but we would like to put it out there because maybe it could help you or it could help somebody else. And that's kind of what we're about. We want to have that collective help for everyone and help everyone improve so if you have any videos of you throwing send them our direction just instagram at chain clankers or you can email them to us chainclankers at gmail.com and that's something that we definitely want to start here pretty quick all right next question we got is from liam hugs 21 what rating would you give yourselves i'm not like super familiar with ratings i also don't have a pdj number so I don't have a rating for my tournaments I've played, but I would say that I'm, you know, I would say if I'm consistent, I would say maybe like a 930. I don't know. I mean, you are a little bit more familiar with the ratings. Yeah. Uh, just based off of the tournaments that we've played, I think there's an average rating around just based off of those rounds around that you know, 875 for the bad ones to like 930-ish for the good ones. I just don't think there's been enough data points to really give a strong conviction answer here because it's one of those things where you need the data to really have that. And I think we've had at most six rated rounds. I think I had four, no, I had three rated rounds in 2021 so like I yeah mean, but we but we played quite a bit i mean just based yeah. off of that it's just wondering like what we, what you would give yourself yeah i mean i would say on the scale of when i'm not playing well to playing pretty well right now i'd go 875 to 935 yeah kind of i would scale, say, say we have about the potential we have about the potential to be a solid 930 i would say but it's more probably you know closer to the lower nines high 800s like we're yeah we're, we're not kidding guys when we say like we're just average average uh, we're your players. typical disc golfer we have improved though like we are um i know at league nights i when i went and played like i was never i mean i had decent partners and even when i did singles at the other league nights i was never not in the top five um, and there was times that we almost weren't allowed to play in the rec. We were asked to play up 
but we weren't. And we then were like, we sandbagged no. so that we could keep playing. <laughs> I wouldn't Not say true. we sandbagged. Yeah, literally just kidding. We still lost. Like we came in uh, second. Yeah, and I mean, one. at the end of the day, like what this is, we're going into year two of yeah. actually playing disc golf. There's such a learning gap in the beginning that that's okay. So definitely think that this is going to be a really good year for improvement. Um, but there was one, I don't know if you went to that one, that league night, but it was a singles and I, I won. No, I tied in rec for first place and Mars, our score tied the second place and advanced. Nice. Yeah, I think I so, might. I, I think maybe. I think that might have been like the last. Yeah. Of the year. So that was one of my best rounds I've ever played. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like a six down, and that was with a like a seven I got on a hole, and I think another. Uh yeah yeah you took a five on number five, yeah. that double bug. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we have the potential. If that answers you guys your question to like about nine thirty, but. We are always wanting to get better. All right. What's the best stability for a putting putter? Neutral. Understable. Stop buying Lunas. Stop putting with putters that have a three or higher on the end. There is literally no reason to do that. Unless you are a very good disc golfer, stop it. Stop buying Lunas. That's the only one that's coming to my head. I can't think of any others right now, but stop it. There's no reason to do that. Pick yourself up a Sensei, a Crown, PA3, AVR, Judge, I guess, Warden, a Deputy, whatever. Pick up something that's neutral. And even those Judge, AVR, I know they are they have like a two on the fade. I would even go with something that has like a one on the fade. That's why I'm saying like PA3, Crown, Sensei, those kinds of things. Even a Fierce, you know, get something overstable to neutral. Learn how to putt. And then if you want to try a lunar or whatever, that's fine. But there's no reason, especially if you are missing left, there's no reason to have an overstable putter. Grab something understable to neutral. I literally cannot be on that train more. For me, the warden wasn't, I mean, the warden is super neutral. Um, It was mostly about comfort, but I would say that the sensei is even more understable. Um, I can literally put it kind of like on a hyzer and throw it hard at the basket and it's just, it just goes straight. Uh, it's super nice. So yeah, something's really understable. You'll feel the difference. Um, so that's all the time we have for these questions today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please continue to send us questions. We'll try to put one of those out maybe once a week, even when we have like an interview or something, we'll uh, answer some of your guys' questions. So please, please follow our Instagram. We're constantly posting on there. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you guys have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Chain Clankers podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Chain Clankers and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us from so you never miss another episode.